0: Now,
1: broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
0: Well, what a staged event, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin, our number 877-381-3811. 877 381 When they walked out of the meeting with the President, some Democrats hang back with the Republicans and the President to talk about Syria. And they run right to the microphone. Talk about how the President is losing it and terrible things he said, so they had to leave. Meanwhile, Kevin McCarthy, who's definitely improving as the Republican leader in the House, I have to tell you, I'm becoming more impressed with the guy. And I've been his toughest critic. He came out and he said, no. No, the the behavior and conduct of Pelosi and Schumer was unacceptable. Gee, who to believe? Pelosi? No, I don't think so. Schumer? No, I don't think so. And my buddy uh, David Brody over at CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network, he tweeted out and he said, wow, you know, considering the names they have called Trump and the things they've accused him of, being a criminal and all these other things, they're awfully thin-skinned, Pelosi and Schumer, aren't they? So this just happened a little while ago, and it went something like this. Cut three, what is it? Uh, cut two, go.
2: He was insulting, particularly to the Speaker. She kept her cool completely. But he called her a third-rate politician. He said that the, there are communists involved, and you guys might like that. I mean, this was not a dialogue. All right, let's stop.
0: I've had several discussions with the president over the course of a few years, and he's a kibitzer, and he jokes, and he needles. And as I wasn't there, but Kevin McCarthy and a number of Republicans were there, and they say it was Schumer and Pelosi, particularly Pelosi, who was rude to the president. As for a third-rate politician, he probably told her that when she got up to leave. I'm just guessing. But Schumer is also a serial pathological liar, Pelosi, of course, being the other one. Go ahead.
2: It was sort of a diatribe, a nasty diatribe, not focused on the facts, particularly the fact of how to curtail ISIS, a terrorist organization that aims to hurt the United States in our homeland.
0: So then why'd you walk out? Why did you walk out like children? And McCarthy's saying the opposite of what you're saying, that it was actually Nancy Pelosi who was rude to the president. And why do I believe that's true, considering the things she's doing to him and saying to him and saying to the American people about him? Cut three, go.
3: Go ahead, on the part of the yep. president, was a meltdown. Sad to say. Speaker Pelosi, did the impeachment... No, it didn't come, come up. It, didn't conversation up. Conversation it did not come up. Did not you at all. Say? No, it did not come up. You? It did not come up. When he called you a communist? No, he didn't call He did not call us a communist. He, no, he said... Yes.
2: He said... Let's just clarify that. He said the communists some are taking... Are, some of ISIS...
0: Let's just stop. So Schumer had certainly implied that he called them, he said, there's communists involved. And she said, no, 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 She didn't, he didn't call us communists. See, what they're concerned about now is that there's some kind of recording of the meeting. I don't know that to be true. Go ahead.
2: Communists and you but would be happy. That might make you happy. You might that happy might make you, that. you happy. Yes. You all walk no, and the speaker what, said, what yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. yes, we walked out. At yeah. that yeah.
4: point? Yeah. No, no. the no, point that he was, when he started,
2: he was, started we, calling, he started started we, calling uh, Speaker Pelosi he was a third-rate politician.
3: I said, I wish you were a politician, Mr. President, then you would know the art of the possible. the Republicans
1: say?
2: Yes, some of the other members on both sides stayed behind. They wanted questions. I waited a moment because I wanted to ask him the question about intelligence. Reports on the well now, so,
0: so even some of the Democrats stayed behind. And yet Pelosi and Schumer walked out. That's how I know it's staged. Or all the Democrats would have walked out. But the media love it. This is today's shocking Trump behavior. So clowns like Mr. Deliverance... Joe Scarborough tomorrow morning can talk about how the president is mentally ill and unhinged. It just goes on and on and on. This is pretty much the way it works. I'm sure you're sick of it. God knows I'm sick of it. On the show Sunday night, on the Fox show, I talked about what the Republicans did in the Clinton impeachment in the House, the Committee on the Judiciary And the formal impeachment inquiry vote. And I know uh, some of you heard it, but, you know, it's a very interesting thing to observe. Radio and TV are so different. When people speak on radio, it's easier to remember. Because television is about the visual and radio is about what's imagined. And, it, and when you speak on radio, people who hear you process it differently than when they process people they see on TV. There's less of a distraction when you speak on radio. Just the way it is. And so I felt I should address this on radio. So I dug up October 7, 1998. The report from the House Judiciary Committee, which was controlled by the Republicans during the Clinton period, on um, the respect to its impeachment inquiry and its recommendation to the full House of Representatives. And I want you to hear some of this, because you're not going to get into the rest of the media. and, And really, it's my goal, the millions of you who listen to this program to give you the kind of information you need to really understand what's going on in this country, because you're not going to get it from newsrooms. <clears throat> now, as part of the purpose and summary of this, October 7, 1998, the House Judiciary Committee is reporting to the full House. And what they say, in part, for the, the reason yeah, that, that they're... Uh, reporting to the full house and seeking a resolution from the full house. They say it is the intention of the committee that its investigation will be conducted in all respects on a fair, impartial and bipartisan or nonpartisan basis. In this spirit, the power to authorize subpoenas and other compulsory process is committed by this resolution in the first instance to the chairman and the ranking minority member, so to both parties. Acting jointly, if either declines to act, the other may act alone. Subject to the right of either to refer the question to the committee for decision prior to issuance. And a meeting of the committee will be convened promptly to consider the question. You have nothing like that today. Nothing. Then they point out there's a need for the resolution for the full house. Why is that? And they explain it. Because the issue of impeachment is of such overwhelming importance, the committee decided that it must receive authorization from the full House before proceeding on any further course of action. Because impeachment is delegated solely to the House of Representatives by the Constitution, the full House of Representatives should be involved in critical decision-making regarding various stages of impeachment. This is crucial to understand. A Republican committee, a Republican House of Representatives, how it's treating a Democrat president and Bill Clinton, making it clear that the full House of Representatives must be involved in every critical decision regarding various stages of impeachment. It's clearly not what's taking place today with secret testimony and leaked, cherry-picked information. They go on. Also, a resolution authorizing an impeachment inquiry into the conduct of a president is consistent with past practice. According to Hines' precedents, the impeachment of President Johnson was set in motion by a resolution authorizing a general investigation as to the execution of the laws. This was the process followed, Generally when the first president faced an impeachment inquiry, Andrew Johnson. They go on, the impeachment investigation of President Nixon, the second president, was explicitly authorized by the full House. During debate of House Resolution 803 in 1974, Congressman Rodino, Democrat, then Chairman of the Committee on the Judiciary, stated, we have reached the point when it is important that the House explicitly confirm our responsibility under the Constitution. We are asking the House to authorize and direct the Committee on the Judiciary to investigate the conduct of the President of the United States. Such a resolution has always been passed by the House. The Committee has voted unanimously to recommend that the House of Representatives adopt this resolution. It is a necessary step if we are to meet our obligations. But these committees, whether it was Johnson, whether it was Nixon, whether it was Clinton, did even more. The House Judiciary Committee under Henry Hyde, under the Republicans, dealing with Bill Clinton, did even more to demonstrate the fairness of the process, to involve the full-body politic, including the opposite party and the American people. When I come back, I'll explain. We'll be right back. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. Now, returning to the October 7, 1998 document, 105th Congress, second session, involving the formal impeachment inquiry into the matter of Bill Clinton, the House Judiciary Committee, both parties, put together a resolution, and among other things, they talked about the rights of the minority and the majority that they wanted to handle this fairly, and they wanted to vote from the full House. The Constitution doesn't talk about a committee or committees or the Speaker having the power. The sole power belongs to the House of Representatives, and they logically concluded the way they concluded during the Nixon impeachment era, and Andrew Johnson for that matter, that the House means the House, and the House should be involved in all the critical decisions, or at least be aware of them. And as I speak, secret testimony is being elicited each and every day by Adam Schiff and the majority on the House Intelligence Committee. And they are determining what leaks out, what does not, who the witnesses are, and the entire process. And they're keeping the American people from it, and they're keeping the President from it. I want you to listen to this. In their explanation for why they want the full House involved and the various rules they want to implement. They have a section called President's Procedural Rights. President's Procedural Rights. Some have raised concerns about procedural fairness and encouraged the committee to adopt rules similar to those adopted by the committee in 1974 involving Nixon, which would provide the president with certain procedural rights. The committee adopted... By voice vote, a number of protections for the president. Have you heard of any protections for the president in the process that's going on now? The president and his counsel shall be invited to attend all executive session and open committee hearings. The president's counsel may cross examine witnesses. The president's counsel may make objections regarding the pertinency of evidence. The President's counsel shall be invited to suggest that the committee receive additional evidence. Lastly, the President and the President's counsel shall be invited to respond to the evidence adduced by the committee at an appropriate time. The provisions will ensure that the impeachment inquiry is fair to the President. It took me a while to find this document. It took me a while to dig it up. I don't have a research arm or hundreds of reporters on my staff the way that NBC, ABC, CBS do, or the New York Times or the Washington Post or these various cable channels. We don't have a research department, do we, Mr. Producer? I am the research department. Now and then, with some help from my buddies here, But I worked into the night, late into the night, and found this, and they have it too now, because I used it on Fox, I've used it now, they have access to this too. You know who else has access to this? The Speaker of the House, Adam Schiff, and the other Democrats. And they are rejecting this, as they have rejected the process under Nixon, as they've rejected the process under Andrew Johnson. It is a disgrace. And to continually hear news, particularly network news, cable news, and the main left-wing newspapers, report the cherry-picked information provided to them by the Democrats on the House Intelligence Committee, and Mr. Schiff's staff, just treating it as, as news, not questioning anything, not questioning the process, none of it, is an abomination. That's not news. This is driven by the Democrat Party. Now, they have no expectation of removing this president in the Senate. Mitch McConnell said today, to his credit, that if this comes over to the Senate for a trial, he does not want it to go past Christmas. He has the power to ensure that doesn't happen, to enforce that deadline and I sure as hell hope he does. Because this is a a fraud from beginning to end. Factually, procedurally. That's what it is. And the media, of course, have no problem with it. But I thought you should hear exactly what took place. Almost... 21 years to the day August 7, 1998 August 7, 1998 This was referred to the House of Representatives for a vote and it was adopted October 7, what did I say? October 7, 1998 October 7, 1998 We'll be right back Liberty and learning. In a healthy democracy, these two things are mutually supportive. In America today, however, that bond is broken. To help repair the breach, Hillsdale College has launched the Van Andel Graduate School of Government in the nation's capital. And unlike other graduate programs, Hillsdale teaches politics as a human activity oriented toward justice. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Learn more at Levinfrahillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale
1: Mark Levin, the voice of America. Dial in now at 877-381-3811.
0: All right. So the debate last night. Most of us didn't watch it, but we've listened to some clips of it, I have, and we're going to have some fun with it. This has to be, as I've said many times before, the weakest group of candidates running for any party's nomination for president in modern history. In modern history, who is the standout among these fools? There isn't a standout among these fools. They're all lightweights. They're not even second tier. They're third, fourth, fifth tier. But before we get to that, Joe Biden is in Ohio today. And I want you to listen to this idiot. And he is an idiot. He's always been an idiot, ladies and gentlemen. He was an idiot as a senator. He was an idiot when he was chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. He was an idiot when he tried to match wits with Bob Bork, which, of course... ...isn't possible for most of us... ...he's an idiot when he went after Clarence Thomas... ...he's an idiot... ...cut four, go... ...this is a constitutional issue... ...so he's talking about impeachment... ...and he's right, it's a constitutional issue... ...go ahead...
5: Focus ...on the Constitution... <laughs> The irony, the, the irony is the very day the Constitution was signed, when Benjamin Franklin came out and said, what have you given us, Mr. Franklin? He said, a republic if you can keep it. And right after that, when George Washington was sworn in, he talked about the greatest concern a new republic has is influence from foreign all right, let's,
0: let's All right, let's, let's stop as he gums this up. He says, and right after that, when George Washington was sworn in. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the Constitutional Convention, the various delegates, they adopted, they wrote and adopted a Constitution that had to be ratified by the states. George Washington wasn't sworn in right after that, after the Constitutional Convention. There wasn't even an election. He says, focus on the Constitution. So the Constitution hadn't been ratified, it wasn't in force yet, there hadn't been an election, and he says, and right after the convention, when George Washington was sworn in. In terms of the influence of foreign powers, he's talking about George Washington's farewell address, his farewell address, near the end of his second term. near the end of his second term. Go ahead.
5: And that's a gigantic issue. Well, it's ironic that we learned about Mr. Trump asking for foreign powers to intervene on the same day that the Constitution was signed. This is a constitutional issue.
0: Okay, he didn't ask for foreign powers to intervene in the election. I've read over and over to you, to myself... ...what the telephone transcript says. He asked them to look into Hunter Biden. These are, this is public information... ...about Hunter Biden. Public information about what Joe Biden did. He was bragging about it on a video. And the President of the United States... ...points that out... ...and says that's something... ...they ought to look into. He didn't ask them to do him a favor. That had nothing to do with that section of the call... There was no, we're going to withhold military funds from you unless you do none of that. They've all lied about that. So they didn't, he didn't ask them to interfere. On the other hand, Joe Biden seems to think he's immune from any investigation because he chooses to run for office. Well, Joe Biden's always running for office. His entire life he's been running for office. He gets out of law school. He runs for the Wilmington City Council. Then he runs for the U.S. Senate. Then he runs for the U.S. Senate every successive cycle, six times. Then he runs for vice president. Then he runs for vice president again. Then he runs for the nomination for president of the United States this time. So he's always running. So under his theory, he can never be investigated because that would be interfering with an election. But Trump didn't even say, investigate him. Trump didn't say, begin a criminal examination. He asked them to look into it. And what is wrong with that? Nothing at all is wrong with that. Which is why they have to keep lying about it. That he wanted them to interfere in the election. Now the sick irony of this is that the Democrat Party is interfering in the election. By trying to pervert the impeachment clause of the Constitution and railroad an impeachment and throw it into the Senate and create some sort of chaos to try and weaken the president in a general election in which they know he will be the nominee of the Republican Party. And Joe Biden has asked for his impeachment. So Joe Biden is asking the House of Representatives to interfere in the election. That is his party that controls the House of Representatives. That's all this is about, interfering in the election, trying to tear down the president, and in the general election, they want to run against an impeached president, and they want to say it over and over again, that he was impeached. This has always been about 2020. This has always been about opposition research. It's an abuse of power by the House under the control of the Democrat Party. That's what it is. An abuse of power. Now. We have uh, Adam Schiff. We'll get to the debate. To some extent. We're not going to just redo it here. At a press conference yesterday. I've talked about this being a Soviet style investigation. I heard uh, Andy Biggs. Who chairs the. Freedom Caucus mentioned that today, and he should have, because it is a Soviet-style investigation. And little uh, comrade Adam Schiff is leading the effort on behalf of his friend uh, and his boss, Nancy Pelosi. Here's what he said. Cut eight, go.
6: Thank you, Madam Speaker. I wanted to give you a brief update on the investigation. Uh, I don't want an
0: update on the investigation. You and I want eyes and ears as this investigation is being undertaken. We, the people, we're the citizenry of this country. We're not mere observers. We want to know what's going on in these secret hearings, with the secret testimony, rather than that which is just released by Schiff or Schiff's press conferences.
6: Go ahead. Weeks, I think we've made dramatic progress in... Uh, answering some of the questions surrounding that July telephone call between President Trump and President Zelensky, in which the president of the United States uh, sought to coerce a vulnerable ally.
0: Listen listen to how he explains this. He's so detestable. Go ahead.
6: Uh, Conducting, uh, I think, what can best be described as sham investigations involving his opponent, uh, and into involving a debunked conspiracy theory about the 2016 election.
0: All right, let's slow down. So listen to what the man heading this investigation says. We have made dramatic progress in answering some of the questions surrounding the July 2012 telephone call, where the president sought to coerce a vulnerable ally into conducting what can be contrived as a sham investigation with his opponent, And involving a debunked conspiracy theory with the 2016 election. He just stated to you what their impeachment is going to be all about. This is how they're going to contrive the information. Go ahead.
6: We have learned that call was not in isolation. There was a great deal of preparatory work that was done before the call. There was a lot of follow-up work that was done after the call. Um, And we have learned much of this thanks to the courageous testimony of State Department officials.
0: Now, what they've done is they've gone to disgruntled State Department officials who are angry that President Trump went around the State Department bureaucracy. The former ambassador who was appointed by Obama. Last week, a careerist who had been reporting to Pompeo resigned that individual's testimony. Others, they're going to disgruntled former State Department employees and others, one-sided information, apparently, information that's not available to us, the president's lawyer is not present, the American people not present, no cross-examination, no contrary information, nothing nothing this is a railroad job an absolute railroad job and I just hope there's enough of us left we the people I just hope there's enough of us left who are able to reason through this and see exactly what's taking place here because this is a very very sad day very very sad period in American history it truly is And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Primus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Primus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimis.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimis, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S, .hillsdale.edu. Welcome to Hillsdale. Back to this issue of Turkey and Syria and the Kurds and so forth. As you know, my position from day one has been that we should not have withdrawn the 50 to 100 troops, special forces really, and intelligence forces, out of that area of Syria. They weren't there to fight, ladies and gentlemen. They were gathering intelligence. That's why they're there. We have all kinds of intelligence, some of it's technological, some of it's cyberspace, satellites, and some of it is human. They were human intelligence, that's why they were there, to keep track of what's taking place as best as they can. Erdogan has repeatedly threatened to invade Syria in order to slaughter the Kurds that is, the Kurds in that part of Syria. And we have repeatedly told them no, and that we're not moving our forces. But this time the president decided to move them. And the argument he and others make who support this position is that we can't be in wars forever. At some point we've got to get out of them. But we weren't in an act of war in that part of Syria, and we haven't been except against ISIS. So what war were these men fighting? They weren't fighting any war. They were preventing war. Just like we have bases all over the world, in Germany, all throughout Europe, south of our hemisphere. We have all kinds of bases, in Africa, Because we have bases, because we have military personnel on the ground, doesn't mean we're in a war. They were not in a war. They had fought ISIS. They had monitored ISIS. They were monitoring Iran, the Russians, the Syrians, among others. So they were not in a war. That's number one. Number two, I just cannot accept the way we're treating the Kurds. Now we're saying they're as bad as ISIS. No, they're not. They're not as bad as ISIS. They were our ally two weeks ago in fighting ISIS. They were our ally in fighting ISIS. They've been a better ally than Turkey's been an ally. They've been a better ally than Turkey's been an ally. And so now, there's quite a mess over there, even a bigger mess than there was before. And some of you are listening to other people, and you're saying to yourself, well, what's the problem? It's 7,000 miles away. That's kind of a pre-11 mentality. When a relative handful of terrorists... Attacked our soil in the most grievous attack on American soil, really, in modern times, certainly since the Revolutionary War. Well, not the, the War of 18, 1812, I would say. But certainly in modern times. How do these things happen? These things happen when we let our guard down, or these things, things happen when we turn isolationist. That's how they happen. I think this was a mistake. I don't say that to harm the president, who I consider a friend. I don't say it to sabotage him in any respect. But I speak my mind. And I expect that you expect me to do so. It be very easy to sit here and say it was the right decision, The hell with it. And yet what's happening now is the President has sent the Vice President and the Secretary of State, two of his closest confidants, to sit down with Erdogan and tell him to cut it out. Now why is he telling him that, if it's none of our business? We're putting economic sanctions on Turkey, or about to, enormous economic sanctions, that are intended to cripple his economy. Well, if it's none of our business, why are we doing that? Well, why are we doing it? It's 7,000 miles away. And other Russians have moved in. So territory that used to be controlled by others, including us, will now be controlled by the Russians. And you might say, well, that's their problem. Let them fight it out. Ladies and gentlemen, this is how other powers get more and more powerful, more and more provocative, more and more aggressive. We have a lot of interests in the Middle East. We have a lot of allies in the Middle East. We just can't wash our hands and pretend otherwise. It's going to become very, very lonely in this world if this is how we conduct foreign policy. We need help from other countries, too intelligence, national security, and military. I'll be right back.
1: He's here. He's here.
0: Uh, Depositions are being taken in secret. There's a piece out now tonight, The Washington Examiner by Byron York. And I want you to listen carefully to this. In a secret interview, Representative Adam Schiff, leader of the House Democratic effort to impeach President Trump, pressed former United States Special Representative to Ukraine, Kurt Volker, to testify that Ukrainian officials felt pressured to investigate former Vice President Joe Biden's son, Hunter as a result of Trump withholding U.S. military aid to Ukraine. Volker denied that was the case, noting that Ukrainian leaders did not even know the aid was being withheld and that they believed the relationship with the U.S. was moving along satisfactorily, without them having done anything Trump mentioned in his notorious July 25 phone conversation with Ukrainian President Zelensky writes York. Notorious is his word, not mine. When Volcker repeatedly declined to agree to Schiff's characterization of events, Schiff said, Ambassador, you're making this much more complicated than it has to be. The interview took place October 3 in a secure room in the U.S. Capitol. While the session covered several topics, the issue of an alleged quid pro quo, U.S. military aid in exchange for Ukrainian investigation of the Bidens, And a public announcement that such an investigation was underway was a significant part of the discussion. Schiff asked Volker, the Ukrainians didn't want to be drawn into investigating a Democratic candidate for president, which would mean only peril for Ukraine. Is that fair to say? That may be true, Volker said. That may be true. They didn't express that to me. And of course, I didn't know that was the context at the time. Part of the other context is vital military support is being withheld from the Ukraine during this period, right? Schiff asked. That was not part of the context at the time, Volker said. At least to my knowledge, they, the Ukrainian leaders, were not even aware of that. Schiff asked whether Volker had discussed the withholding of aid with Ukrainian officials. Volker said he had not. The first time he talked with the Ukrainians about that was when a story appeared in the press, an article in Politico... Trump holds up Ukrainian military aid meant to confront Russia on August 28, 29, well after the July 25 phone call. Quote, the first conversation I had was when the diplomatic advisor to Zelensky, Pratiko, I believe it was, texted me a copy of the Politico article about the hold on assistance, Volker testified. So I'd had my conversation with him in the months prior to that and this did not come up from him to me which makes me believe that this was not on his radar until that time when he saw the article. Volcker said he already knew about the suspension in aid, having learned on a July 18, a week before the Trump-Zelensky call. Volker testified that he asked around about the suspension, why it was being done, but was not able to find out what was going on. Schiff began to push the quid pro quo allegation. He asked Volker. Whether he would agree that no president of the United States should ever ask a foreign leader to help intervene in a U.S. election. I agree with that, said Volker. And that would be particularly egregious. If you can see how Schiff is leading the witness and putting words in his mouth to create the narrative. It is a disgusting spectacle. And this is why they don't want it public for you and me to see how this is going down. Schiff continued, and that would be particularly egregious if it was done in the context of withholding foreign assistance. Volcker balked. We're getting now into, you know, a conflation of these things that I didn't think was actually there. Schiff wanted Volcker to agree that if it's inappropriate for a president to seek foreign help in a U.S. election, it would be doubly so if a president was doing that at a time when the United States was withholding military support from the country. Again, Volker did not agree. I can't really speak to that, he said. My understanding of the security assistance issue is, Schiff interrupted. Why can't you speak to that, Ambassador? You're a career diplomat. You can understand the enormous leverage a president would have while withholding military support from an ally at war with Russia. You can understand just how significant that would be, correct? Volker tried to go along without actually agreeing. I can understand that that would be significant, he said. Schiff persisted. And when that suspension of aid became known to that country, to Ukraine, it would be all the more weighty to consider what the president had asked them, wouldn't it? So again, Congressman, I don't believe Volker began. Schiff interrupted. It's a pretty straightforward question. But I don't believe the Ukrainians were aware that the assistance was being held up. They became aware of it, Schiff said. They became aware later, Volker said. But I don't believe they were aware at the time, so there was no leverage implied. The two men continued to argue about the chronology of events. By the time the Ukrainians learned about the withheld aid in late August, Volker said all sides had dropped the idea of making a statement announcing an investigation of the Bidens and events during the 2016 election. But Schiff kept pushing the notion that once the Ukrainians did learn about the withheld aid, then they would have felt tremendous pressure from Trump. Schiff asked, at the point they, the Ukrainians learned that Wouldn't that have given them added urgency to meet the president's request on the Bidens? I don't know the answer to that, Volcker said. Schiff pressed Volcker to agree one more time. In response, Volcker tried to explain that the Ukrainians did not seem to be feeling pressure from Trump and the United States. (coughs) Volcker said, Congressman, this is why I'm trying to say the context is different. Because at the time they learned that, if we assume it's August 29. They had just had a visit from the National Security Advisor, John Bolton. That's a high-level meeting already. He was recommending and working on scheduling a visit of President Zelensky to Washington. We were also working on a bilateral meeting to take place in Warsaw on the margins of a commemoration of the beginning of World War II. And in that context, I think the Ukrainians felt like things are going the right direction. And they had not done anything on They had not done anything on an investigation. They had not done anything on a statement. And things were ramping up in terms of their engagement with the administration. So I think they were actually feeling pretty good then. At that point, Schiff gave up. Why was Volker resisting? Ambassador, I find it remarkable as a career diplomat that you have difficulty acknowledging that when Ukraine learned that their aid had been suspended for unknown reasons that this wouldn't add additional urgency to a request by the President of the United States. I find that remarkable. Later, Republican Scott Perry questioned Volcker, returning to the colloquy with Schiff. Perry asked Volcker whether he, Volcker, had close relations with Ukraine officials and whether if those officials felt something was amiss, they would tell Volcker. The folks that you dealt with in Ukraine at the very highest level, I don't know, but I'm going to ask, do you feel they had a fair amount of trust in you? Absolutely, said Volcker. So they would confide things in you if they had a question. They would confide things Volcker answered. They would ask questions. They would ask for help. We had a very candid relationship. And your conversation with Representative Schiff kind of implied and wanted you to, to intimate that there was an agreement based on that conversation, that if you do the investigation, then you can have a meeting with Trump, and maybe we'll consider this military aid. If that were the case from the call, do you feel because they had some trust in you that they would have come to you and said, hey, how do we handle this? Is this what the President of the United States is asking? Would they confide? Would they ask you? Yes, said Volcker. They would have asked me exactly that, you know. How do we handle this? Much of the coverage of Volcker's testimony focused on his opening statement, which made its way to the media. But there was much more to the testimony than the opening statement. And among other things, it showed how Schiff, a powerful chairman in charge of impeachment, pursues his theory of the case, even when a witness gives testimony that does not support it. Schiff has scheduled more interviews for this week and next. This is why this is being done in secret. Because Schiff is a true sleazeball with his Soviet tactics pressing, intimidating, truly threatening using his position of power, putting words in the mouth of people. Unbelievable. This man is disgusting. This is what's taking place in your country, just so you know. I'll be right back.
1: Mark Levin.
0: and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Is there something special about Eric Swalwell, Mr. Producer? He's, he's just your typical backbencher lowlife. And yet he's constantly on cable TV. I can tell you what the clown's going to say before he even speaks. All right, let's jump in a little bit. We got a lot of calls. Hang in there, folks. I'll, I'll circle back. But Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper. Remember, all these guys are getting orders now. We know this, as a matter of fact, from Jeffrey Mother Zucker. The... Uh, the man in charge of CNN, among other things. But listen, listen to this question to Biden. Cut 14, go.
2: The impeachment inquiry is centered on President Trump's attempts to get political dirt from Ukraine on Vice President Biden and his son Hunter. Mr. Vice President, President Trump has falsely accused your son of doing something wrong while serving on a company board in Ukraine. I want to point out there's no evidence of wrongdoing by either one of you.
0: Now, just stop right there. Hold the place right there. This is just incredible. We're full of incredible information today, aren't we? Incredible clips, incredible what's taking place with these Democrats. This Democrat party, just remember the history of this party. And the media, just remember on Freedom of the Press, those of you who have read it, half a million of you. You know exactly what's taking place here. As one pundit said... Pulling information out of my book. These are basically Democrats in the media. The Democrat Party press. That's what I've been calling it. The modern Democrat Party press. Democrats in the media. But also progressives, ideologues, social activists. It's, it's, it's more thorough than that. And so in order to ask a question. Anderson Cooper exonerates. Joe Biden and his son has no interest in looking into it. They've never looked into it. They don't know anything about it other than what uh, they're they're hearing from others. And that's it. Meanwhile, Rudy Giuliani, already they're they're prepared to put him in sing sing. Uh, They were going to put Donald Jr. in sing sing. It goes on and on and on. Go ahead.
2: Said that on Sunday, you announced that if you're president, no one in your family or associated with you, will be involved in any foreign businesses. My question is, if it's not okay for a president's family to be involved in foreign businesses, why was it okay for your son when you were vice president? Vice President Biden?
5: Look, uh, my son did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. I carried out the policy of the United States government in rooting out corruption in, in Ukraine. And if that's what we should be focusing on.
0: So he's telling his friend, Anderson Cooper, what they should be focusing on. He didn't answer the question, did he? Now, if this was a real reporter, there'd be a few more questions about this. Have you ever heard of Burisma? You were the point, man, on Ukraine. You never heard of Burisma? Did you know it was under investigation? Are you telling us at no time... Did you or your son ever discuss his trips to the Ukraine, his serving on the board, and you expect the American people to believe that? President of the United States released a transcript of a discussion he had with the newly elected president of Ukraine. Are you prepared to call for the release of all transcripts and all discussions you had with various officials of Ukraine? That's what a reporter would do. And I'm not even a reporter. That's what a lawyer would do in a deposition. You would think a reporter would do something similar, right? Not at all. Look, we know you're innocent. We know your son's innocent. We know there's nothing wrong. We know he did nothing wrong. We know you did nothing wrong. We know the president falsely accused your son of doing something wrong. Now I have a question. Pretty shocking, isn't it? Pete Buttigieg at the debate last night, Elizabeth Warren's Medicare for All plan. She will not explain where the money's going to come from. Well, of course, it's going to come from the public. She won't get away with this forever. But she's now the leading Democrat for the nomination. These things can change, of course, because she's treated with kid gloves by the media. They love her. Cut 15, go.
7: Mayor Buttigieg, you say Senator Warren has been, quote, evasive about how she's going to pay for Medicare for all. What's your
8: (laughs) response? Well, we heard it tonight, a yes or no question that didn't get a yes or no answer. Look, this is why people here in the Midwest are so frustrated with Washington in general and Capitol Hill in particular. Well, if people
0: are frustrated with Washington in general and Capitol Hill in particular, I'm asking you folks. Then why do every single one of them up there, including Pete Buttigieg, want more Washington and more Capitol Hill? Why do they want to centralize more decision-making in Washington, D.C.? This has always fascinated me. They trash Washington. They trash the system. And yet they want to expand and empower Washington even further, as well as the system. Go ahead.
8: The is to have a plan for everything, except this. No plan has been laid out to explain how a multi-trillion dollar hole in this Medicare for All plan that Senator Warren is putting forward is supposed to get filled in. And the thing is, we really can deliver health care for every American and move forward with the boldest, biggest transformation since the inception of Medicare itself. But the way to do it without a giant multi-trillion dollar hole and without uh, having to avoid a yes or no question is Medicare for all who want it. We take a version of Medicare. We let you access it if you want to. And if you prefer to stay on your private plan,
0: you can do that. Too. Now, let's stop there. This is their fallback position, their plan B. It's not Medicare for all. So, you know, you can keep your private plan if you have it, your employer-based plan, your union plan, whatever it is. But if people want to choose Medicare, then we'll expand Medicare for people who want to be on Medicare. Whether they're 25 years old, 35, 40, 50 years old. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's an absurdity too. How are we going to pay for that? The trustees of the Medicare program tell us it's going broke. It's going broke. So their plan B is to add more people to it, including people who've never paid into it or have paid sparsely into it. How is that going to work? How is that going to save Medicare? It won't. It's another lie. Their plan B is a lie. Go ahead. That is what
8: most Americans want. Medicare for all who want it, trusting you to make the right decision for your health care and for your family, and it can be delivered without an increase in their responses. responses.
0: But there are not people, so-called journalists and hosts and so forth, who are intelligent enough or honest enough or objective enough to even pursue questions with Buttigieg on that. Medicare is going broke, Mayor, You're going to expand it to tens of millions of people, including tens of millions of people who've never paid, including to illegal aliens. How is that going to survive, Mayor? It won't. I'll be right back. 833 Ring B H N. Get 15% off your first order with promo code Levin. That's brickhouse, L E V I N.com, or call 833 Ring B H N, promo code Levin.
9: The establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now,
0: 877-381-3811. What if you could add up to $1,000 back to your monthly budget? I'm sure your first thought is, that sounds too good to be true. But if you're a homeowner, it's not. Think of it this way. If you're paying down a home loan and your rate is higher than today's rates, you're overpaying your mortgage. You're just burning your money. Take your money back with help from our friends at American Financing. Mortgage rates are still near historic lows, so now is the time to save. And I recommend American Financing because they follow a very simple process. You can pre-qualify in 10 minutes. Even complete your application online with their digital mortgage product. There are no upfront or hidden fees, just custom loans designed by salary-based mortgage consultants for you. You're able to access cash, consolidate debt, even spend less on interest. Whatever you need, they'll create a unique solution customized for your personal needs. And they're family-owned. Family-owned. And they've been around a long time. And they're going to help you. Take advantage of a free mortgage review today. It really only takes 10 minutes to start. That's it. Call 888-900-1828. That's 888 900 1828, or go to online to AmericanFinancing.net American Financing NMLS 182334 www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org Andrew Yang is a real crackpot at the debate last night he's got all kinds of ideas what to do with your money you notice the constitution never comes into play here what is or is not constitutional what the government can or cannot do it's just open door. And here's Andrew Yang in one of his latest ideas. Cut 16, go.
7: Senator Warren is 100% right that we're in the midst of the most extreme winner take all economy in history. All right,
0: let's, let's, let's slow down. I don't even know what that means. The most extreme winner take all economy in history. Aren't you tired of these people trashing our country? We have a very, very strong economy. All levels, all income levels are feeling it. All people of all backgrounds, faiths, pigmentation, are all feeling it. And they keep talking it down. They keep hoping for a recession. They keep talking about this massive gap between the rich and the poor. The winner-take-all economy. Every other economy in the world would exchange place With us. They would exchange places with us. They would take our economy in a second. It's also why people are pouring over our border or attempting to pour over our border to participate in this economy. It's not a winner take all economy, it is a quasi free market economy becoming less and less free market as a result of morons like him. A winner take all economy just absurd go ahead
7: wealth tax makes a lot of sense in principle
0: so the next thing the questioner should say, how is that constitutional? There's nothing about a wealth tax in the constitution, and by the way, the framers would uh, would absolutely flip flip out over such an idea, but there is no constitutional basis whatsoever for wealth tax but it doesn't even come into question because the journalists don't care and the democrats don't care go ahead
7: problem is that it's been tried in germany france denmark sweden and all those countries ended up repealing it because it had massive implementation problems and did not generate the revenue that they projected
0: well so the problem isn't germany france denmark and sweden and all those other countries the problem is our constitution you see In addition to the economic insanity, he says massive implementation problems that didn't generate the revenue they projected. Just think about the consequences of a wealth tax. You've already paid taxes on the income. Let's say you're wealthy and you buy something. And then they keep taxing the something that you buy. What are you going to do with your money then, Mr. Producer? Move it offshore. You're going to find somewhere to put it. You're not going to keep doing this. Anyway, go ahead.
7: Learn from the failed experiences of other countries. What can we learn from? We should not be looking to other countries' uh, mistakes. Instead, we should look at what Germany, France, Denmark, and Sweden still have, which is a value-added tax.
0: Oh, they have a value-added tax. That's a national sales tax. It's even worse. It's a tax, a hidden tax that is applied at every level of service or production. So let's say it's 15 or 20%. Remember all the steps we talked about in iPencil that is involved in manufacturing a pencil? Well, every step would be taxed. And so the cost to you for a particular product or a food item or a beverage or whatever it is will be significantly higher As a result of a national VAT tax. Now, a national VAT tax, where is that supported in the Constitution? In effect, it's a national sales tax. That is no constitutional support either. Doesn't matter. Go ahead.
7: We give the American people a tiny slice of every Amazon sale, every Google search, every robot truck mile. Every You're not giving
0: the American people anything. You are taxing the American people. When, they, when, there's, when there is, uh, at, at Amazon, every level of service is taxed. So the price of a book or whatever you purchase at Amazon will be much more expensive. Amazon doesn't pay it. You pay it. And the price of the product or the service. Go ahead.
7: We can generate hundreds of billions of dollars and then put it into our hands because we know best how to use it.
0: Our hands. The government's hands. He wants to tax, even says, every Google search, every truck mile, every Facebook ad. We can generate hundreds of billions of dollars and then put it into our hands because we know best how to use it. How many of you have ever met Andrew Yang? other than a general resume what do you know about this man what do you know about his background what do you know about his family? you don't know anything so why would we give him and the others hundreds of billions of dollars that are currently in the private sector currently in your pocket in your bank account in your paycheck to manage it because he knows better how to use it that's the insanity of all this look at that stage These are freaks and frauds and phonies. Why would we? Why would we confer to them all this power, all of our liberty, all this money, your hard-earned income, for them to decide what to do with it? Are they more noble than you? No, they're less noble than you. Are they more intelligent than you? Listen to them. Are they? No, they're less intelligent than you. Are they more experienced than you? No. How are they more experienced than you? They managed to get elected. Yang hasn't been elected to anything but he sounds like an idiot. It's one dummy after another. One dummy after another. Then there's Kamala Harris. She is obsessed with Trump being banned from Twitter. Do you know why she wants Trump banned from Twitter? Because he is Tens of millions of followers. Is that what we call them on Twitter? Tens of millions of followers. He gets around the media that way. So Kamala Harris isn't a noble person. She's not a statesman. She wants him banned from Twitter. So he has no way of communicating with 60, 70 million people other than going through the media. She's not altruistic. Cut 18, go.
4: When I called on Twitter to suspend Donald Trump's uh, account that you did not agree... He's
0: saying you, Elizabeth Warren, you did not agree. Go ahead.
4: I would I would urge you to join me, because here we have Donald Trump, who has 65 million Twitter followers, and is using that platform as the President of the United States to openly intimidate witnesses, to threaten witnesses, to obstruct justice. This
0: is, This is incredible. So... To 65 million people, he's obstructing justice. To 65 million people, he's intimidating witnesses. He hasn't intimidated any witness. He wants to know who the whistleblower is. So do I. So do we, the people. But for Kamala Harris, it doesn't matter. He should be thrown off Twitter. They all have this fascistic DNA, don't they, ladies and gentlemen? They all have this narcissistic, egomaniacal, fascistic DNA. Those on the hard left. Go ahead.
4: And he and his account should be taken down. We saw in El Paso. She
0: sounds like Xi of China. Take it down. Now they're going to tie him to El Paso and the mass murderer there? Go ahead.
4: ...that that shooter in his manifesto was informed by how Donald Trump uses that platform. And this is a matter of corporate responsibility. He was a
0: socialist. The guy in Daytona was a flat-out Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren supporter. The killer in El Paso trashed Trump. He was not a Trump supporter. The killer in Daytona was a Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren supporter... The shooter in Alexandria, Virginia at that baseball field who shot Scalise, among others. He was a Bernie Sanders supporter. Antifa supports the hard left in this country. We can go down the list. But she wants to ban. She gets to decide if the President of the United States should have a Twitter account.
4: Go ahead. Twitter should be held accountable and shut down that site. It is a matter of safety and corporate accountability. Thank you.
7: Senator Warren, you can respond.
4: So, look, I don't just want to push Donald Trump off Twitter. I want to push him out of the White House. That's our job. Well, join but me, the way, know, join but the, me in saying that his Twitter account should be shut down. down.
0: No. She has enough sense to say no. Because she believes in speech. Shockingly, Elizabeth Warren believes in speech, free speech. So Kamala Harris is a lawyer. She was a prosecutor. Kind of. And she believes in regulating content on speech. Now, can you imagine her as president of the United States with Facebook and Twitter and all these other things? And how she would want to control it, the government should decide. Washington should decide. These are enormously dangerous people. They are enormously dangerous people who do not believe in liberty, who do not believe in this country, who do not believe in our principles. I'll be right back.
1: love, in.
0: Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. We were just talking at the break, Rich, Richie and I. On Facebook, we have almost 1.4 million followers, I guess we call them. On Twitter, we have almost 1.8 million. We have 1.794. I never promote them. And so many of these other hosts do. So let me suggest this. Let's try and get to 2 million followers on Twitter. All you folks listening who know how to do this, but you're not a follower yet. Let's see if we can get to 2 million followers on Twitter. All you Levinites out there. And let's see how fast we can do that. And Facebook is very slow. We've been at like 1.3, almost 1.4 million for like two years. I don't know what's going on there. And no, I wasn't invited to any dinners with uh, Zuckerberg either. I'm never invited to anything. I don't know why it is. I shower, Mr. Producer. I don't know what that's all about. Anyway, uh, let's focus on Twitter right now. Let's see if we can get to 2 million followers on Twitter. I don't want to do it in any fake way, legitimate. We do everything legitimately here. Real, true followers. If you haven't joined yet as a follower or you have a family member, I want to see how fast we can do this. Maybe we'll never do it. Let's see if we can upset Kamala. So Nancy Pelosi and her Politburo, what, what am I saying? At Mark Levin at Mark Levin Show, that's where we are on Twitter. At Mark Levin Show, is that how you say it? They're all laughing at me. At Mark Levin Show, let's see if you can get. To, let's see if we can get the two million in a day or two. You folks think you can do that? I think you can do that. We have a little bet going here. Uh, so Nancy Pelosi and her poll up here announced. Their formal impeachment inquiry. Now, of course, they can't do that, but they did do that. So I guess they can do that, but it's illegitimate. We all know this is just another sleazy tactic. They're trying to appeal to their base. Now they're trying to grow their base. Basically, it's taxpayer funded opposition research for the 2020 election. We've talked about that. And predictably, the unfree press. The leftist media have been lavishly supporting the clown show, and they refuse to push for open hearings and all the other tactics and tools that are supposed to be used so the American people can participate in this. And of course, they give cover to Biden's son, Hunter, shady dealings with Ukraine and Red China. They keep, continue to give cover to the so-called whistleblower, who is a Democrat with ties to Biden and shift staff, CIA operative who was spying on the president. That's the bottom line. Well, at Levin TV, we do cover these things, and we're truthful about it. Real news, real analysis, what really matters. I personally break it down while providing context, history, philosophy, and a lot more. We don't have sponsors. We don't have commercials. No big brother looking over my shoulder telling me what to do. I, we are completely beholden to you. You own Levin TV. If you're a subscriber, you own the show. You alone. So give us a try today. Just give us a try. Go to levintv.com. L E V I N TV.com. Sign up. Enter code Levin, L E V I N. You'll get $10 off your annual subscription. It's less than a quarter pounder meal once a month. I mean, it really is de minimis, the cost. And yet the production is of the highest quality. And we have a crew and a staff. We work very hard on this program. And I think you can see the results. Give us a try. That's all we ask. That's LevinTV.com. Code Levin. L-E-V-I-N-T-V. Dot .com, code LEVIN for $10 off your annual subscription. Let me give you the number, too, 844-LEVIN-TV, 844 L E V I N T V. either way, 844-LEVIN-TV. Well, there's so much more, we'll get to some of this, the third hour, because it's really a comedy show when you talk about these Democrats. They just never better get elected. It's quite, quite scary. All right. <clears throat> we lost a couple of good callers in the meantime, but let's go to Ron, Salem, Oregon, the great KSLM. Go. Hey, I'm going to lay right on you. Hold Lord. on, hold on. I, I, I misjudged the clock. Ron, you'll be my first caller next hour. Don't hang up. Sorry, folks. I screwed that up. So excited I am about Levin TV. I'll be right back. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Notice in these Democrat debates, such as they are, the journalists never ask the candidates personal questions like they do with Trump. About family members, about marriages, about their wealth, about rumors, Nothing. Nothing. In fact, they cover for them. President of the United States just tweeted the following. I think it's terrific and hilarious. Nancy Pelosi needs help fast. There's either something wrong with her upstairs, or she just plain doesn't like our great country. She had a total meltdown in the White House today. It was very sad to watch. Pray for her. She's a very sick person. (laughs) Why shouldn't I laugh? I mean, she and Schumer go out to the microphone like a drama queen and king. You can choose which is what. I'm not allowed to anymore, I suppose. None of us are. And uh, a complete setup, again, of the president. So now they'll talk about this for the next 24 hours on MSLSD, where they all seem to be on LSD. New Project Veritas video. Jeff Sucker. You have Jeff Motherzucker reaching into the control room during the course of an interview. As I understand this, Mr. Producer, Jake Tapper interviewing Kellyanne Conway, and he is telling Tapper to keep blanking, nailing her, right? Keep pressing her. Let's listen. Cut one, go.
3: So Jeff Zucker runs the show. Jeff Zucker runs the show. He may, he will personally go into the control room. And, and Jake Topper's interviewing Kelly and Kellyanne Conway. He, he one time like he went to the control room during that interview and he was like, keep, keep going, keep going, ask the questions, blow past the commercial breaks, keep going. And it, they it turned a seven minute interview to a twenty five minute interview. Why? Because Jeff Zucker personally got on the phone with like, what was happening? Or he got into his ear. He was interviewing Kelly and Conway, and it was like, she a was, tough exchange. Yeah. She was Arguing back and forth and with attacker. and, Zucker, and Zucker
8: told him on you know,
3: "Keep
8: going, keep going, keep on, going. Don't be stop." Because you were jamming her up. Yeah. 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 I mean, Kelly a is just whatever. So. Like, so, so, I like the fact that you guys she, are jamming her up, though.
3: Because she deserves it.
9: Yeah, she, she's
0: lying, over over lying over all the time. One last thing about, about Is she or is she but just is Is a So Zucker sees an opportunity just to just to fuck nail her. So, let's, let's break this down. So the head of CNN goes into the control room, or at least speaks into the control room, and tells Jake Tapper what to do. And tells Jake Tapper to keep attacking Kellyanne Conway, keep pressing her. This is according to Christian Sierra, the voice who are at CNN media coordinator. And, of course, Tapper does exactly what he's told to do by Jeff Zucker. Is this a free press, ladies and gentlemen? Journalists should be independent, right, ladies and gentlemen? No, this is a group, group think, group ideology, a group agenda at CNN. So they're trying to set up Kellyanne Conway. It's being pushed by Jeff Mother Zucker and fake Jake Tapper tap out is, of course, completely obedient, like a zombie. I want to thank this Project Veritas for what they've done here. Old-time, serious investigative reporting. It is incredible. This is supposed to be a newsroom. Jeff Zucker is in many respects public enemy number one. There are are a number of public enemies out there that are are in the number one category. He's definitely one of them based on what's going on here. His perversion of freedom of speech and freedom of the press and the First Amendment, his abuse of his position. This is worse than old-time yellow journalism. This is dressed up as serious journalism. And it's not serious journalism. This guy, Jimmy Kimmel, is a real punk. He was uh, Howard Stern's punk for a long time, you might recall. But he's a real punk. And he used to go around sexually harassing women. Didn't he do that, Mr. Beducer? Had a Comedy Central show where he did it. But now because he's a leftist attacking conservatives dressed up as a comedian when he's a court jester, um, people forget that kind of stuff. You know, like Joy Reid and so forth. So last night on his show, he attacks Laura Trump. Laura Trump is a brilliant young lady. She's a beautiful young lady. She's a mother and a wife You've seen her on TV. She's very, very sharp, and she's defending her father-in-law. And she does a hell of a good job at it. I've never met her. I've never spoke to her. It's irrelevant. But I want you to hear what this clown, Jimmy Kimmel, has to say last night. Cut nine, go.
2: The president doesn't need Sean Spicer right now. He has the best people defending him. People like his daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, bride of Eric, who shared this insightful take on the president's decision to pull troops out of Syria.
8: President Trump's acquiescence to Turkey's move to send troops deep inside Syrian territory has only, in only one week's time, turned into a bloody carnage, forced the abandonment of a successful five-year-long American project to keep the peace on a volatile border, and given an unanticipated victory to four American adversaries, Russia, Iran, the Syrian government, and the Islamic State. Your response tonight. Well, Shannon, I think we should start with the fact that if you ask the average American out there, I think they would have to Google who are the Kurds and why is America even over there fighting this war.
2: (laughs) They'd also have to Google who is the heartless imbecile with lip injections on my TV right now.
0: Let's let's stop there. That you think that's funny. You think that's funny talking about the president's daughter-in-law that way. He can't just engage if that's what he wants to do and debate her or make comments about her comments. Has anybody ever said that about any of the Obama kids? Has anybody ever said that about Chelsea Clinton? And you can say a lot about Chelsea Clinton. I'm just saying with all due respect. It's just an open season on the Trumps. Oh, and Jimmy Kimmel, that wife of yours, some fashion advice. Put a bag over her head. She'd be far more attractive. I don't mean a plastic bag either, a paper bag. You know, the kind you can't see through? Yeah. Mrs. Kimmel. Mrs. Kimmel and Bits. Nice paper bag over her head. Then you can take her out in public. You P.O.S just unbelievable what these guys say and of course the Me Too movement no problem, they won't say anything the View, all the Yentas on the View no problem, they won't say anything all the phonies who used to attack Sarah Palin and so forth no problem they won't say a word because she's a Trump and Jimmy, well, he's so cool Jimmy's so cool. It looks like he was hit by a bus, doesn't he, Mr. Beducer? It looks like he spends uh, his lunchtime walking into walls. That's one ugly dude. And he needs ten comedy writers to write that stuff? I'll be right back. Mark in. I sit here during the break thinking about all these things. There is a war going on against Donald Trump. A war. Obviously, not a shooting war, not a violent war, but a war going on against Donald Trump. Every aspect, every aspect of Washington, D.C., is focused on his destruction. What's remarkable is, despite all the resources, the thousands of people in the media, the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party infrastructure, the lobbyists, so forth, despite the enormous amount of resources that are spent every day, the technology, the data, the investigations, The sharing of information aimed at this president, aimed at destroying this president, aimed at taking out this president. What do they have? They have nothing. Nothing. They've used federal prosecutors, they've used the FBI, they've used the CIA. They've obviously used multiple media outlets. They've used the power of Congress. Subpoenas. And still, they have nothing. I heard Joe Biden screeching last night. I didn't listen last night on one of the clips. I'm not going to play But he wasn't the only one. That Donald Trump is the most corrupt president in American history. And I thought to myself, corrupt how exactly? How is he corrupt? What has he done that's corrupt? If he has done anything that's corrupt by now, we would know about it. And yet they don't stop investigating. And so they're left with trying to set him up over and over and over again trying to set him up with false narratives, with secret testimony, with foreign opposition research. There's a war against this president like we have never seen in American history. Never. Never. And the war is big and it's small. It's small like today when Schumer and Pelosi tried to create for effect the idea that the president was losing it when they walked out on his meeting today and yet many Democrats did not walk out on the meeting and the Republicans didn't walk out and the Republicans have a completely different story this would be the same Schumer and Pelosi who have accused the president of being a criminal and worse And worse, the president has never accused anyone of the kinds of things that he's been accused of. Despite the language on social media that may offend some of you, the language that has been used to describe him and against him has been far worse. Far worse. But despite the best efforts so far, ...of a politicized criminal justice system... ...of a politicized CIA and intelligence agencies... ...of a politicized FBI... ...of abuses of authority by the Democrats in the House of Representatives... ...by a progressive Democrat social activism media... ...despite what must be literally billions of dollars that have been spent on salaries on data, on computers, on you name it, trying to take this man out. So far, they have failed. And so they try to set him up over and over and over again. Ask yourself this question. How would you survive this? You wouldn't. I wouldn't. Your family couldn't put up with it. Any of those other Republicans who were standing on that stage two and a half years ago, it seems like a hundred years ago, none of them could withstand this. None of them. Nobody could. And this is what amazes those who hate his guts. So there is a war against this president. Washington is at war with this president. And they're doing everything possible to try and destroy him. Even this impeachment process, so-called, is intended to affect the 2020 election. All their talk about interfering in an election. It is they who reached out to the Ukrainians, Hillary Clinton and the DNC in 2016. It is they who paid a foreign retired British spy, to work with among others, Russian apparatchiks, to put together opposition research they call fancy, fancy, they use the word dossier. It is they who are interfering with this election, with the FBI in the past, and the intelligence agencies in 2016. And yet again, it is a CIA operative who seeks to bring down this president. Working with Schiff, attachments with with Biden This is why I've called it a silent coup. This is why others have repeated it. They're wise to repeat it because that's what it is. And they're wise to call the people in the media, Democrats in the media. I wrote an entire book on it. They should continue to cherry-pick what I'm saying. It's important. They're right. But this is an all-out war. And any tactic, by those who are waging the war, is not only accepted, it's celebrated. Adam Schiff is celebrated by the media. Adam Schiff is brought on television shows to push his propaganda. You just heard me read about an hour ago the Byron York piece about how he's questioning witnesses in secret. He's bullying them. He's pressuring them. He's threatening them. He's trying to put words in their mouth. So he can use these quotes when he leaks them to the New York Times and The Washington Post and ABC and CNN. And then you have the useful idiots in the media. They're not purely journalists, but the useful idiots. This Joe Scarborough is a mindless, stupid clown. He always he's like the drunk at the bar. not that he's drunk, but he sounds like the drunk at the bar. And so does his wife hee-hee, ha-ha, laughing, repeating themselves, nonsensical. They sit around in a circle and burp on each other. This guy, Jeff Motherzucker, reaching into the control room, telling Jake Tapper what to do, as if Jake Tapper is a puppet and he's the puppeteer where he has his hand on the back of Jake Tapper's head to shake it up and down or backwards and forwards these aren't journalists they should be ashamed of themselves they have no self-respect they know exactly what they're doing they know exactly who they are they're caught up in a mob mentality but this is a war being waged by Washington against one man one man the president of the United States. I'll be right back. Mark Levin,
9: tough as hell. That's
0: why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. You know, we're learning more about LeBron James and his role in this uh, China scandal. And this is from the Daily Caller. LeBron James reportedly pressured the NBA to punish the Rockets general manager, Daryl Morey, after he tweeted support for Hong Kong. So we know... James made the statement he did in response to a question, basically defending the communist regime and basically trashing this guy, Morey. James argued that if something an NBA player tweeted had cost the league money, they would have been punished and questioned why the same wasn't happening to Morey, according to Dave McMenamin, I assume that's his name, on ESPN or pronunciation. Nearly a week ago today, in Shanghai Hotel Room, or Shanghai Hotel Ballroom, Adam Silver got up and addressed the players. And LeBron James is one of the players who got up and spoke and said, hey, what are we doing here? Daryl Morey made these statements. McKinneman recalled on air Tuesday, you know damn well if a player made the same statements and caused such poor ramifications for the league, there would be some sort of league recourse. There would be repercussions the player has to pay. You know, potentially this tweak could cost the NBA hundreds of millions of dollars. That could come out of the player's pockets. And so that's the double standard that was being addressed in the meeting, he continued. You know, this this LeBron James is more shallow than I originally thought. He was more shallow. He is more shallow today than he was yesterday. Now, I've discussed this at some length, so I'm not going to be repetitive. But just to point out again in a summation, these people say that they are uh, for social justice, that they support social activism. They frequently refer to America and its founding. They frequently refer to slavery in America. I understand it. But as I've said to you the last few days... We're talking about slavery ongoing today in communist China. Mass rape, mass torture, the harvesting of organs of human beings while they're alive so the heart is still beating and so forth. We're talking about events going on right now in the most populous nation on the face of the earth. In the same region of that country where these guys play basketball. And LeBron James' biggest concern is that the players may lose hundreds of millions of dollars. First of all, this entire concept of professional sports is bizarre to me. Not professional sports per se, but how they can be independent contractors and earn tens of millions of dollars and at the same time be union members. Do you understand that, Mr. Producer? Where they negotiate on their own and negotiate as a group. Have you ever seen that before anywhere? They are treated like no other human beings on the face of the earth. Like heroes. And they're not heroes. They play a sport. That's all they do. That's all they do. And if they stop entertaining the people then there's nothing they can do that matters on a professional level. That's all they're trained to do. This isn't a put-down of athletes. Same can be said of lawyers or whomever. But they are very, very well paid in professional basketball, even the lowest-paid professional basketball player, with the pensions and the health care and all the rest. Paid far more than the average American and too damn many of them are whining and in this case and in this case all they have to do is either shut the hell up or defend the people of Hong Kong who are seeking the very liberty and the very rights that they claim they want for people in this country who quite frankly already have those rights but that aside They can point to slavery 150 years ago. I can point to slavery today. Why won't they look? Because LeBron James is a fraud. That's why. He plays the game, not just on the court, but he plays the game with the media. He plays the game with the left. This is what they do on the left. And he's celebrated. But he's been exposed By his own big mouth, he's been exposed. This could cost us millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't need to get into it all again. But now, when you watch him playing basketball or you watch Steve Kerr, another fraud, at least know what you're watching. You're watching a basketball game. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. They talk about the greedy corporations. The greedy corporations? Really? These top athletes? I've never seen greedier human beings in my life. Well, Mark, they're the top of the top. Well, so be it. I've never seen greedier human beings in my life. Follow the bouncing ball. Watch them shoot it into the net. Oh, my goodness. Look, it's entertaining. I got it. But when you take entertainment in the pretend world and you put it up against a bleak, horrific real world and you hear the entertainment in the pretend world complain that, oh, this is going to cost us. We shouldn't really be, be talking in a way that is supportive of the people who are trying to be free In a genocidal country. No, 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 we shouldn't do that. That might hurt us in the pretend entertainment world. That's where the public's on to him. Public's on to it. It's grotesque. He's got a movie coming out. That's what he's worried about. Well, guess what? There's something more important than you, LeBron James, and your career and your movies. It's the lives of tens of millions of people. And in Hong Kong, millions. I think there's two or three million people on that island who wish to be free. They don't even ask to be rich. They don't even seek to be anywhere near the celebrity you are. They just want to be free. Why don't you think about that, dummy? Now go back to your social activism. Yeah, right. Here's Juliana from Austin, Texas, raving about her amazing transformation thanks to Genesel. I cannot get over how much and how quickly Genesel has helped me. The jawline cream has made my jaw and neck two separate body parts for the first time in a decade. And my bags and puffiness are gone. It really is the skin's fountain of youth. Thank you, Genesel, for making me look and feel young again. Now, folks, it's your turn to see results, guaranteed and, best of all, risk-free. Chaminade is clearing out their inventory before the holiday season. Order Genesil Jawline treatment with MDL technology packed with natural peptides to target that annoying turkey neck and get the classic Genesil for bags and puffiness absolutely free. Yes, free. And for results in 12 hours, the Genesil immediate effects is also free. This once-in-a-year offer is backed by their 60-day, 100% money-back guarantee. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. Order now for a surprise, luxury gift with your order. 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. All right. Let's go back to our callers. Ron, I'm sorry you've been waiting so long, my friend. KSLM, Salem, Oregon. Go right ahead.
9: No problem, my brother. you my historian. I want to say to the narcissistic nadlers and the uh, shifty shifts of the world, along with the psycho twins, Nancy and Chucky, and also the mother zuckers of the world, they're, being, they, they're choosing. They, they always want to play the sleight of hand trick. My foster father was a Tuskegee Airman. I was in the Navy 30 years. I watched the Philippines become democracy 30 years ago when Marcos got kicked out of the country because they wanted liberty. Mm -hmm. When you hear these people, they offer. I was living in L.A. I was born in Los Angeles. South Central, 91st first was middle class, sir. I have a 99-year-old foster mom who was the husband, the wife of a Tuskegee woman, for 67 years. he had been gone 10 years. Let me tell you something. These people want to blind us. History when I went to school in Fontana, California, which was a Cuka Grand Capital. But I didn't care about color. I cared about knowing both sides of history. I cared about the respect for my elders. I had foundations in my faith. I had people that nurtured me through a foster home. They were my family. Because there was truth, there was honor, there was character, there was sincerity. Knowledge is power. Like my foster father used to tell me. He you know, he was one of the first people that Walked into Russia, you know. He was stationed in Austria from 48 to 52. And the thing is this people go through, and he had more problems with other people coming back home to Birmingham, Alabama, because we've been groomed by the liberals. Every atrocity in the last 223 years from a Democrat that ever happened to any minority, they don't talk about the Italians being struck up in Oklahoma City in the 1890s by 19 of them. They don't talk about all the other stuff. We're all bleed red. The white is the value for those that sacrifice, and the blue is what makes our country great. And if it wasn't for the World War II generation, the Donna of, of the world, all my foster father was Tuskegee and all my dad who was on a cult, on a ship on a dunk, cult, cult, Agreement, we wouldn't be where we at. It's the mm-hmm. character, it's the honor, it's the faith, it's knowing your history. You know what I mean, they say, I keep hearing, I we shoot a lot of blacks. I says, hey. They're probably the 6% of the population down south of the nation dictionary, line, but they also have 20% of the slaves. When well, you get that information. I said, read it. Read. Empower. Trust, but verify, like Reagan would say.
0: This well, Ron, got to do. let me tell you, you're fascinating. And uh, I very much appreciate your call, and I thank you for waiting so long. It was definitely worth it for us. And I'll tell you what, don't hang up. I want to send you a... Uh, signed copy of Unfreedom of the Press, and I want to thank you and call again. I've got to take a break. We'll be right back.
1: Mark Lovin.
0: You know, I've been telling you about Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats' plan to socialize medicine and how they would impose government cost controls at the expense of high-quality health care. To put it another way, Pelosi's bill may prevent you and your family from having access to the latest and most effective drug therapies available. In fact, now we have the CBO. According to the CBO, that's the Congressional Budget Office, which scores proposed legislation like the Pelosi plan, new breakthrough medicines may never be discovered at all. They project that the Pelosi plan would reduce research and development investments towards new treatments and cures, Now, why are are we surprised? We're not surprised. Because when you impose drug price controls and punish private innovators with massive 95% tax penalties, you eliminate the financial ability to invest in critically needed research and development. And with it, the incentives to discover new treatments for cancer and new cures for crushing diseases. If Nancy Pelosi told you to work at a government dictated salary for lower than even your cost of living, and then pay 95% of it in new taxes, would you run out and buy a new car? No, you wouldn't. Get the facts, folks. Go to TrueHealthCareFacts.com. TrueHealthCareFacts.com. That's TrueHealthCareFacts.com. Omar, remember, remember that anti-Semite? Oh, she's still there. Ilian Omar. This from the Free Beacon. Approximately 30%, 30% of the money doled out by the campaign of Representative Ilian Omar in the third quarter went to digital fundraising, communications, and advertising services provided by the E Street Group, a firm run by her alleged boyfriend. Omar's campaign committee, which raised a total of over $1 million in the third quarter, spent about half a million during this time, the E Street Group, a firm run by political consultant Tim Minette, Omar's alleged lover, received more money from the campaign than any other vendor. The Omar campaign paid the E Street Group about $150,000 between July 1 and September 30, its filing shows. That accounts for around 30% of Omar's total campaign uh, disbursements over the same period. Wow. Imagine that. I'm sure the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, the Constipated News Network, MSLSD, the whole crowd. I'm sure they'll be all over it. Not. Kurt, Buford, South Carolina. Sirius Satellite, how are you?
3: Buford, South Carolina. Yes, sir. I'm I'm well. How about yourself, sir? Very
0: well. Thank you, sir.
3: So, anyway, uh, here's my thought. I don't Mm -hmm. know, uh, you know... You're always talking about these uh pamphleteers mm-hmm. and uh, you know uh during the revolutionary war uh how they hey, they uh they're independent uh publishers and stuff yep. like that that got a got a lot of news out well anyway uh I'm thinking like all these conservative uh voices like yourself uh mike gallagher
0: uh well you don't have to Tom name everybody yeah
3: anyway <laughs> I hear you anyway. So I was thinking, like, send out a postcard campaign to counter the media lies.
0: You know how you you, you talk about... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on a postcard campaign. I'm on the radio. You want me to send out postcards?
3: Well, you know, I'm just saying...
0: I'm in every car that's in America, if somebody wants to turn it on, on satellite radio. I'm just saying, on every computer anybody wants to turn on, I should send out postcards?
3: Well, uh, I mean, it'd be a way... I, I don't even
0: know what postcards look like anymore.
3: Well, it, it'd be a way to, uh, to, to blanket areas where, you know, that they...
0: Don't I, 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 I kind of like part of what you're saying here. I like the old notion of pamphleteers or newsletters, and that is people in their own communities, um, in their own neighborhoods, producing pamphlets, if you will. And distributing that kind of information, I think that's a very good idea.
3: Yes, sir. And, and it would be a way to blanket areas where not necessarily everybody gets the radio. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, well, I there's, there's...
0: Everywhere there's a mailbox, you get the radio. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I think I, I like the, uh, the out-of-the-box thinking. And I, I also think that something like that, maybe not so much pamphlets... But that kind of a notion, if we can figure out how to deliver that into everybody's home. I'm not talking about old school. I'm talking about electronically, somehow. You're on the right track, I think. You're on the right track. We'll we'll all need to keep noodling over this, but I like it. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, and all you folks who protect us. Thank you. Have a wonderful evening. I'll see you right here tomorrow. God bless you.